Welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way podcast. I'm Mallory. And I'm Carol. And we are so glad you guys are joining us today. We have another episode on our series going over the parables that Jesus spoke about in the Gospels. And so today we're going to be going over the sheep and goat nations, which we're really excited about. But before we get into it, you know, Carol and I were just talking about before we started recording about our dreams lately. And, you know, we did a podcast a little while back with a special guest, Stephanie Skierman. And you guys should look at it. It's um, titled Dreams, A Beginner's Look at Understanding Your Dreams. And, you know, when we know that God is speaking to us in our dreams, it just opens up a whole new way for him to talk to us, which is amazing. So, yeah, Carol, do you want to share some of the dreams that you've had lately or just the way that God has been talking to you? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to share the dreams because there's, but I have been dreaming so much. And I think I shared on that podcast I'm a big dreamer anyway, and so I've been dreaming ever since I was little. But the dreams I'm having lately, they are all about the return of the Lord. It is, I mean, it is incredible, the stuff that's unfolding in my dreams. And I'm writing them down because I've been really praying. I I believe I'm to share them, but I think I have to wait for that green light on when he says Mm -hmm. to share them, which I think is coming up because I was like, well, maybe I'll just do a podcast on some of these dreams and at least share them because I think some are warnings again, that the time is approaching. Now, I don't know our timing, our calculation of time is different than God. So I'm not saying it's tomorrow, but it's on the horizon at some point, maybe in our generation. And so either way, people need to get ready. But then I'm also having these dreams. I feel like the reason why I say that, I think we are so, I feel like this veil is getting thinner the closer we get to the return of the Lord because I've been having dreams lately too of people uh, that I know who have passed away and I am seeing them in my dreams Mm. and having conversations. But it's not just that. It is, it's what's, it's, um, it's the emotion that's coming off of them. It is, Mm. it is such a peace, a joy, a happiness, mm. a a comfort that is coming from them that is so heavenly that I wake up and I almost, I don't want to come back here. Like I want to mm. go back mm. into that. There's just a lot of activity. And I know I'm not the only one. There's so many people I know right now yeah. that, oh, pardon me. Hold on. Sorry, guys. My, my dogs saw <laughs> some people walking their dogs. Anyway, um, But I know there's some of you out there, I know I'm talking to a lot of people Mm -hmm. who are also having a lot of activity at night. And, you know, remember, like she said in the the podcast, our spirits don't sleep. So our spirits, Mm -hmm. even though our body and our emotions and our brain shuts down a bit, our spirits are active and alive. And so it's just been a really active season. So anyway. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And I same have been talking to people lately where I feel like I've just been having conversations where they're talking about. I've been having dreams and I've been having them a lot too. And what I feel like mine have been lately is that God is imparting something to me in my dreams. Mm. And I just think it's so cool the way that God speaks to us through dreams, because we do live in such a busy, distracting world that he wants to get our attention. And exactly like you said, we are coming closer to the time. And it says in the last days, he'll, men will dream dreams and he is pouring out his dreams. So if you guys are having dreams, pay attention to them, write them down, ask the Lord. I think that emotions are really important as well. What are the Mm -hmm. emotions that you feel with it? I think Stephanie talked about that. Um, I think we need to do another follow. Maybe we should do a follow-up podcast on Mm -hmm. the dreams, like a dreams part two. Yeah. Maybe more like interpretation or something. More of the interpretation. Yes. And maybe bring Mm -hmm. a couple people on that have had dreams Mm -hmm. and, and she can give, you know, 
more of interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really neat. And I mean, same, I've talked to some people lately who have had intense dreams that people are sharing with me and it is, God is pulling the pieces together and waking up the church. And so God is just so cool to speak to us in our dreams. And so, yeah, pay attention to those. Well, do you want to start us off? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Mallory had mentioned that we're doing the next parable and this one's on the sheep and the goats. And this one kind of throws people off a little bit. I think sometimes, um, you know, we had mentioned that these parables that they speak, um, a lot of them speak of the impact of Christ's return. And, um, but they can be a real struggle for those of us who are listening to a gospel that gives an unbalanced view of God, only because in some of these parables, at the end of the parable, there's judgment for some of these people. And so some people struggle, some of us struggle out there. And I say that because the parable we're discussing today it's, it's no different. It describes Jesus's, or some of you out there might say Yeshua, and you know it describes his judgment on the nations. And some of us out there still don't like to think that Jesus will judge anyone or anything, and we struggle. And so anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because this is one of those parables that, again, is going to challenge us in that, in that thought. Um, But whether it's the parable of the 10 virgins or the faithful and wise servant, which we haven't covered yet, or the parable of the talents, you know, Jesus clearly communicates that there are consequences to not staying faithful. And it's not just a warning for us personally, but today, as you'll see, it's a warning to the nations. Jesus is going to bring all nations into judgment and judge them according to how they treated his people. It's just fascinating. This parable is fascinating. And so although we spend most of our time out there, mine, yours, Mallory, probably on our personal faith journey, this parable is a great reminder that it's important we also pay attention to what is taking place in our own country, our own nations, the nations around the world. How are they treating the Jews? How are they treating the the Christians? And this is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so good. I'm excited to get into it. Well, I'll start by reading the parable. So this is found in Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another. As a sheep divides, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, and he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. 
I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you gave me and you did not take me in naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Thanks for reading that. Um, Of course, it closes again with that warning of Mm -hmm. everlasting punishment. And, you know, I think before we dig into this parable, you know, let's talk about judgment for just a minute. You know, because we don't really talk about it much. People don't really talk about it much, you know. And after the second coming of Christ, so so in this parable, he says when he returns. Well, after the second coming of Christ, people, all people who have ever lived or died will find themselves standing before the throne of Jesus to be judged. Believers will be judged according to their works, not to be condemned, but to determine their rewards. It's known as the Bema Seat. But for unbelievers, all who choose not to believe upon Jesus as their Lord, while, while they can place their faith in him, their judgment is much different. They are cast out. They're separated from God forever. And Jesus, who is also the judge, sends them to everlasting fire and everlasting punishment. And a lot of people out there don't want to see Jesus as someone who would do this. And this is not the only place this type of wording is used to describe the fate of the righteous or the unrighteous. It is also mentioned in Jesus's letter of Revelation in chapter 20. All people who have ever lived will be standing Mm -hmm. before his throne. And they have to be standing there because by this point in Revelation, there's no more earth. There's nowhere else they can go. Mm. So everyone is standing before his throne awaiting judgment. And only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life are spared the eternal torment. And they are given rewards for their works, while everyone else is cast into the lake of fire. So both types of wording are used by Jesus. We see it in this parable, the sheep and the goat nations, when Jesus says to the goat nations, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Well, to depart from him is to be literally taken somewhere. And in this case, it's into everlasting fire, the lake of fire. And we're going to get more into that in just a minute. But I just wanted to clarify when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ, there is one judgment for those who are believers for rewards. And there is a judgment for unbelievers, uh, which will be eternal separation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I kind of want to just go into that a bit about that aspect of God being a judge You know, I think it's so hard for Christians or really anyone to understand and fully accept that he is judged and even submit to it. And I think that's why in the church it's not talked about. You know, we've kind of, um, you know, we've talked about this in the podcast before, but we see how in the church people cling to the aspects of Jesus that they like. 
you know, they cling to that. He is the lamb. He is meek. He's humble. We see the sweet loving kindness of Jesus. You know, we have that picture of him on the rock petting the sheep or petting the lamb and the children around him. And it's amazing. That is who Jesus is. I am so grateful that Jesus is the lamb, but we also need to remember that he is the lion. He is the lion and the lamb. And we embrace, we celebrate the lamb, but we don't celebrate or submit to the part of his character that he is the lion. And actually a lot of us reject it. A lot of Christians reject it too. Mm -hmm. He is judge, whether you like it or not. He is Elohim. He is our God, our judge, our creator. And you know, this parable series, it's, we've kind of covered a lot of hard topics that aren't commonly talked about that Jesus addresses in the gospels. And you know, I wonder how many of us out there just honestly kind of have a hard time with these or, you know, you've read parts of the Bible that you just have a hard time with. And there really are tough questions that Christians and non-Christians alike ask, you know, the main, one of the biggest questions, how can a loving God send people to hell? Mm-hmm. Well, even, you know, I just caught that part. God created hell for the devil and his angels. and his angels. Mm-hmm. It, we were not created for hell. You know, we wrestle with these, with that question, how can a loving God send people to hell? But I think for most of us, we kind of sweep that part under the rug. Mm -hmm. We don't like to think of God as judge because for most of us, it's viewed as this negative attribute of him. But really, we can no longer separate this character of him as being the judge. And I feel like we just have to talk about this because I've seen it so much in Christians lately. We need to know, we need to submit and worship Jesus for all of who Jesus is. If we really are going to stand firm in our faith until the end, that's what we're talking about on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And when we stand before him, we are accountable for the words that God has given us, all of the words that God has given us. And it's not just enough to say, you know, you are not going to be standing there and saying, well, I liked this part of the Bible, but I didn't really like that part of the Bible or this part of your character. And I think this is where people are losing their faith. This has just been hitting me in this last week. Mm -hmm. You know, they experience something hard. Life comes, you know, hard circumstances come. I get it. They experience traumatic circumstances and people really wrestle with these tough questions like that one we talked about. And, you know, they just walk away because they really don't have an understanding that all of God truly is good. He is perfect in all of his ways, even if we don't understand it. You know, God tells us we're not going to understand. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Or wait, for my thoughts are not your ways, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God knows that we don't have his thoughts. He knows that. How can the created question the creator? He knows that. And again, Romans 9.20 says, But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? You know, isn't that? (laughs) I I mean, really. And this is what faith is. Even when we don't understand it, even when we don't agree. You guys, this is even that harder thing. Is when do we not agree? which this is really hard for a lot of us. And this is where so many of us fall away. This is where we see that remnant coming out. Those who are falling away, they are not accepting those words of God. But remember, he does promise that he is still good. And so ask yourself, you know, where are you at today? 
Will you trust that he's still good and keep your faith even when you don't agree, even when you don't understand? And you know, I have to say, I am so grateful for that he is the judge. That is not a burden that I can carry. He is the only one who can carry that yoke. And we see it in today. We, we operate with a system of we need judges. We need people in our government. Our life and our world cannot function without a judge. It's just how our world is created. You know, we need someone to determine right from wrong, innocent from guilty. And we, do you know what? We could not imagine a better judge. There's a song that came out recently that says, um, one of the lines is, he's better than we dreamed. And I just love that mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. He is a better judge than we could ever dream because he is the most merciful. He is the most truthful being that, that mm-hmm. there is. He is mercy. He is truth. So even though we deserve death because of our sin, in his kindness, in his mercy, he sent Jesus to take mm-hmm. our sin so that the judge could no longer call us guilty, but that we would be called innocent. And for those of us, for those of us who receive salvation from Jesus, and that is that lion. We want him to be the lion. We want him to be that judge. We want him to be our king. You know, there is no other judge like that, that hands out just a get out of jail free card if you just believe in him who takes all of that punishment we deserved on himself. I mean, what a selfless God. I mean, it's just so amazing. We cannot even comprehend the deep, the passionate, the insanely intense love of the father and Jesus to do that for us. But you know, many people out of so much ignorance call a being or sorry, but so many people out of ignorance, they just call God um, who created love unloving. But God is love himself, and he is the definition of love. You know, who are we to say that he's unloving? And, you know, let's talk about different religions. Buddha doesn't offer this selfless, sacrificial love that Jesus offers. Islam doesn't offer that. (laughs) Hinduism, I can't say it. Hinduism doesn't offer that. You know, whoever those people are shouting chakra chants to, whoever they're shouting to, they don't offer that either. And people today, they love karma. I don't know why people love karma. I hate it. There is no mercy to cover sin, and there's no grace to be offered to overcome that sin. You are forever stuck with the sin you committed and no way of getting out out of it. And so, you guys, we're to rejoice that the righteous king, our lion, our lamb, sits on that throne and that he judges rightly. So I just wanted to cover that because I feel like people are just so struggling. I think this is where people walk away from the Lord Mm -hmm. is that they cannot accept these teachings. Mm -hmm. But I think that we just have to understand God is so kind and he knows that we're going to struggle with our view with just hard things. Those questions, Mm -hmm. how could these things happen? But you know, there's that verse that says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And just to bring with a pure heart to the Lord, Hey, I don't understand this. And he might answer it for you with, an answer, or Mm -hmm. he might just give you peace and faith to keep going. Mm -hmm. But I just think that we have to talk about these hard things if we are going to stand firm until the end. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I'm just, I'm sitting here. I'm thinking like I was nowhere near where you are at your age. I just so appreciate your wisdom so much and your passion for the truth, Mm -hmm. because I know you were passionate, you know, talking about all that. And I'm over here again, doing these mouth signals and everything else. Like, oh my gosh, you know, but it's so true. And Mallory, you, especially your generation, you're probably feeling it 
even more than my generation because mm-hmm. it's the younger generation that's being drawn away big time and mine, but yours especially, that's been drawn away through a lot of emotional Christianity. And there's, yeah. it's like what we talked about in the, um, the parable of the sower. They don't have those roots to sustain them. And then they start yeah. reading through these parables and it's, it's really, really difficult. And you said so much in there. And it's interesting, um, as you talk about the judge, what's so, and but yet is mercy. Going through the Revelation series, we're almost done. And then it, it'll just be up on our podcast forever, however long. But um, I just covered an episode on the wrath of God and mm-hmm. really breaking down how merciful God really is. Because mm-hmm. we broke down the different types of wrath with, tie, with ties into judgment, but really taking a better look at wrath and understanding what all that means. Because at the end of the day, when you, just for example, in Revelation, when you were talking about how merciful God is and, and people, people are the ones that are not, you know, they blame him and they start blaming him for things. Well, when you start looking at all of the ways throughout just Revelation alone, he's trying to get the people's attention through natural disasters, through things that were man-made, through the antichrist system of the beast and the two dragons, through these two witnesses that he sends upon the earth to proclaim the gospel to an angel that's sent into the atmospheres to proclaim the everlasting gospel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is one thing after another to 144,000 anointed Jewish men to go out with the good news. It is mm-hmm. one thing after another and all the way through he is, he constantly makes the gospel available to, to him, but there's a common theme that keeps happening. The people stayed in rebellion. They chose mm-hmm. not to repent. Mm-hmm. And he's a holy God. He does not partner with sin, mm-hmm. period, mm-hmm. period. And people, like you said, you made a great point. When they're standing before the throne of God, when they're standing before Jesus, and this is for anybody out there, are we really going to say, well, I chose that position on that moral issue because I felt that it was right. Yeah. Are we really going to say something like that before the God of heaven? Because we're standing there alone. Mm-hmm. And that's what this whole yeah. parable is about. This parable is personal, but this parable also encompasses the nation. And this is why I love this parable because there's so much going on in our nations right now that are really um, pushing back at biblical values and and living yeah. from a biblical worldview. And so Christians are challenged more and more every day. And so I'm just so glad you said all of that because it's spot on and mm-hmm. it it needed to be said. Mm-hmm. And so I just appreciate mm-hmm. it. And I think... You know, as I was saying, you know, when I think of this parable, it just, it reminds me how important it is, friends out there, to remember that Jesus Christ is our judge and that judgment is coming. Mm -hmm. And it's not just for us personally, right, for how we've lived our life. And that includes how much you obey the gospel, how much you obey the Bible. But that judgment is coming for the countries we live in. All you got to do is read the Bible. And you understand that countries came under judgment. What does it say countless times? Your sins have come up before me. Mm -hmm. Well, perhaps this is why we are encouraged by Paul to pray for those in authority, right? Instead of just sitting back while nations slowly implode and we don't get involved or we don't stand in the gap somehow, such as through prayer or, or serving in uh, a public office or doing something that's going to take us out of our comfort zone a little bit mm-hmm. in order to be that salt and light in a place. You know, instead, believers right now are really stepping back 
and they're letting things kind of play out and that's not what we're called to do. Yeah. You know, I wanted to mention and pertains to judgment, um, a couple of verses that Paul actually brings up about the judgment seat of Christ. The first one's in second Corinthians chapter five, nine through 11, where he says, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent to be well pleasing to him. So that's our aim Mm -hmm. first and foremost, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We're all going to be judged for our works Mm -hmm. to ourselves, to those around us, everything. And he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. So in other words, Paul's in right standing with God. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. See, for those who are believers in Christ and truly love him, we are earnestly to desire to do those things which are pleasing to him every day. We should be ambitious to study the word. We should be ambitious to serve others. We should want to pray. We should want and strive to preach the gospel, all of it, not to please people, but to please our Lord and master because he will judge our works. Good works are those that line up with his kingdom and his word, the Bible, but fruitless works are not. They are more self-driven. And so, you know, remember that when we said in a prior episode that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that he is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Well, some people just say that in their mind, but When you say that you confess that Jesus is Lord, Jesus becoming your Lord is key. It means we fully surrender. We come up under that Lordship. He purchased us by his blood. We're his possession now. We're not our own anymore. Your body is not your own anymore. My body is not my own anymore. My thoughts need to become his thoughts. His ways need to become my ways. I need to have the mind of Christ. We no longer live for ourselves. We live for him. His will be done, not ours. And his will is his word. And when we live according to his word, the Bible, we live doing good works that please him. And we will be rewarded for that. But if we call ourselves a Christian and live carnally every day for our own devices, Mm -hmm. or we live contrary to what the word, the instructions in the Bible say, then we make the Bible and we're trying to make the Bible fit our lifestyles rather than the lifestyles fit the Bible. And when we do that, we're going to be fruitless. We're going to produce fruitless works and they're going to burn up Mm -hmm. even if the world applauds them. And the second place Paul mentions this is Romans 14, 9, 11, where he says, for to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So again, works will be judged. But in this passage, so too will our words. What we speak about someone, especially in the faith. Mm -hmm. Remember, you know, faith without works is dead. But if we remain faithful to the Lord and his lordship in our lives, the works will follow. 
So anyway, back to this parable. We kind of digressed there for no, it's a good. few minutes, both of us. I mean, but mm-hmm. so back to the parable, there's a tremendous message here for the nations. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes when we read this parable or parables, but especially this one, we revert back to the gospel message, which is the filter we use, which is always about making sure people individually are saved. And so a lot of times we read this and that's what we do. And so we teach this parable from that filter. However, this is a parable that is very clear from the very beginning. It's more than just about saved people. It's about saved nations and unsaved nations for that matter. And Jesus, he uses strange language to convey his point about the nations. He calls them sheeps and goats to describe them. And some of you out there might be asking, what does he mean by that? Well, I just want to share that for just a minute that, you know, sheep and goats, they were both clean animals according to Levitical law in the Old Testament. However, their natures are very different from each other. A sheep follows its shepherd peacefully moving forward with the flock. He is content to be led, which is key. He responds to his shepherd's voice and goes where he directs. On the other hand, goats are not very good followers. If you've ever owned a goat, one of my sisters used to own a goat. I won't tell you what she named him, but he wasn't very smart. And they typically follow their own lead. They're more independent. They're more impulsive and they're more unpredictable compared to sheep. And so what's being communicated in this parable is that Jesus is going to divide the nations of the world into two groups after he returns. And he's going to render judgment on them based on whether they acted like a sheep or whether they acted like a goat. And it's going to be based on how they treated his people because he specifically says that how they treated his brethren So he calls one group sheep nations, those that followed him, were led by him, doing what was right, while he called the other goat nations, those who didn't follow him, those who wanted to go their own way. And they're separated like that because of the works they're known for. And so again, those works are all about how they treated Jesus's brethren. Now, who are Jesus's brethren? What is even meant by the word brethren? Well, brethren actually means a brother, a kinsman, or a community that's based on identity or origin of life. Well, this word brethren in this passage is all the afflicted who have fellowship with Jesus Christ in his sufferings and all of it. And he is not ashamed to call them his brethren. These are his brothers in the faith. And it says, you have done this unto me. So when we do something unto another brother, Mm. then we are doing it to the Lord because we are now part of the family of God. And the Lord so perfectly identifies himself with the human family whose nature he took on that he made their sorrows, their sufferings, his own. He suffered with the sufferers. His perfect sympathy placed him in their position. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And from this identification, it shows that he regards what is done to others as done to himself. That's why in Matthew verse chapter 12, 48 to 50, when it says, who, when his mother and his real brothers were looking for him, and he answers by saying, who is my brother and who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. 
For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, of course, we all know he loved his natural siblings and he loved his mother because he put her into the care of John when he died. But the point that he is making is that when we do the will of the Father like Jesus did, we are his brethren. When we place our faith in him, we are in the family of God and we are brethren together. That's why the church is called the brethren. Mm -hmm. And it also means we will suffer. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, friends, will suffer persecution of some kind. And so what is God's will? To desire anybody who desires to live God, or I already said he desires to live godly, but what is God's will? It's his word, his word. God's will is his word, and he watches over it to see it fulfilled to completion. And so when we live according to the Bible, we live contrary to the world, and the world hates us for it. If we share the gospel, we take care of widows and orphans. We pray and visit prisoners. We feed the poor. These are things we are commanded to do. We study the word of God. We are to study and show ourselves approved. That's a command. We are commanded to live morally pure, to be holy, to be set apart, to come out from among them. We are commanded to forgive our enemies. We are commanded to treat our spouses with love and respect. Women are to treat their spouse as if it's Jesus, right? And so we are commanded on how to raise our children. We are commanded to pray. We are commanded not to gossip. We are commanded not to slander and so much more. And so when we live that way, when we do the Father's will, when we believe upon his son, then we walk as he walked, First John. And so that's really what this whole parable is about. How the nations not only treated Jesus, but how they treat his brethren. And those who have fellowship with Christ, they are afflicted for it. And so think about how nations throughout the ages treated the Jews. Those are his brethren because Jesus is a Jew. And think about how nations of the world treat Christians. That's why it says, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. That's what he says in this parable. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, you know, Mallory kind of touched on this. Where is where has there been and still is heavy persecution in the world? But also, where is it in just your everyday life? Where is it a struggle to be a Christian? Where are Christians being silenced in your country? You know, when you vacation in Rome, do you ever consider the fact that Christians were heavily persecuted at one point when you're touring the Roman Colosseum? That in that very Colosseum, they were actually sewn into animal skins and forced to crawl on all fours so the beasts could attack and devour them? Do you ever consider that when you go there? Or how Christians have been dipped in tar and set on fire? Nero did this in his own picnic at his own little uh, uh, residence in Rome. But this has also been done in Southeast Asia in modern times. It's been done in the Middle East in modern times. What is your government or your country doing right now to silence Christians, to persecute them, to mock them? How are they treating God's people poorly? And how does your nation treat Israel? How do you treat Israel? Most people don't understand Israel. 
and we best start learning about it. We do have a podcast on why Israel. If you want to tune into that series, it'll help you understand it. And so what do you, you know, that's the question. How do you treat Israel? What do you say about Israel? What do you say about Jewish people? God is still at work there, you know. His promises from Roman 11 will come to pass. Many will be saved and regrafted into that olive tree. And he warns Christians not to be haughty about them being grafted into the tree, lest he will cut them off. Never forget Jew and Gentile were becoming one new man in Christ Jesus. And so let me just ask you a question. I know Mallory and I have talked about a lot of things today, but we have many listeners uh, in many parts of the world. Is your nation a sheep nation or a goat nation? Is it like a sheep that's content to be led by the Lord, treating others the way Jesus commanded? Or is it starting to look like a goat? Is it independent, unpredictable, coming against anything related to God, coming against moral living, morality, life, people, identity, all of it? Is it coming against his commands, his instruction for living? And then are you trying to do something about it? Are you getting involved? Are you praying for those in authority? That's the whole crux of this whole parable. Mm -hmm. Nations will be judged. And we are assigned to live in certain nations of the world for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's not to sit idly by. Mm -hmm. So, so good, Carol. That was just such an amazing, um, I just love what you did with that parable. And I think that we live in, we do live in a really individualistic culture and worried about our own salvation and what's going on in our own life. But I just love how you brought this to attention that there is the fear of the Lord of what's going on in our nation. And this is a call to action for us too. And so, yeah, I just love that. How are we getting involved? Are we praying for those in authority? Like you said, so, um, well, so good. We might do another episode or two on the parable yeah. series. There's just so many. So we just keep going. But um, you guys, thank you so much for joining us today. And if you have any questions or just want to drop us a note or something, you can email us at preparetheway at jcmcolorado.org. Thanks. Yeah, great. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.